On your Tuesday episode of Locked On Raptors, the Toronto Raptors fall in pretty ugly fashion to the Chicago Bulls on the second half of their back-to-back, and Scotty Barnes kind of has a lot of blood on his hands for this one. We're going to dig into why Barnes was just not good enough to push the Raptors over the line against Chicago. We'll also dig into some defensive issues and the Raptors' double-teaming scheme coming unspooled, and of course, we got the good, the bad, and the hmm all coming up on today's episode of Locked On Raptors. Raptors, thanks so much for hanging. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1277 of Locked on Raptors for Tuesday, November the 8th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors for now nine seasons, and you can find my Substack newsletter post touches in my pinned tweet on Twitter at WoodleySean for however long Twitter remains a functioning website. You can also find the show at Locked on Raptors. You can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free on all your favorite podcast apps in audio form. And we are on YouTube if you want to go hit the big red subscribe button over there. It really, really helps the show out and helps us grow and helps us join the algorithms and all that good stuff. So thank you very much in advance for doing that. Thank you as always to Sweatblock, one of our sponsors for today's show. Today's episode is brought to you by Sweat Sweatblock. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try Sweatblock. Save 20% with promo code Locked On at sweatblock.com. More on them a little bit later on. All right, on today's show... We're digging into a not-so-pretty loss to the Chicago Bulls, 111-97 last night in Chicago on the second half of the home-and-home with the Bulls, which was uh, a big source of discontent on the broadcast, I must say. The whole Raptors having a lot of these back-to-backs with teams, these sort of two-game baseball series. I kind of like them. I like the adjustment battle that goes back and forth. Yeah, maybe it doesn't really lend to a lot of wins because it's hard to sweep these two-game sets. But I really dig the sort of the the chess game between the coaches in these ones. And I thought we saw the Chicago Bulls adapt pretty well to what the Raptors did to them on Sunday as they picked up that win and uh, obviously pulled away for a nice win over the Raptors to get back to 500. In the Bulls' case, the Raptors are now 6-5. and five, And the creamy part of their schedule is now on tap. The Rockets on Wednesday, they're very bad. Uh, you got the Thunder and the Pacers over the weekend. The Pistons coming up as well. So hopefully some get-well time for the Raptors here after a not so so good game. And look, we should probably start with the biggest reason the Raptors lost this one. And to me, it was Scotty Barnes, which is weird to say because Scotty Barnes, I think, has been pretty fantastic for the most part this season. I know there have been some examples of slow starts and him kind of warming up as games go along. We saw that on Friday, for example, in the Mavericks game where he was kind of non-existent for three quarters before totally taking over. But this really was the worst game I think Scotty Barnes played this season. One of, honestly, his worst games as a Raptor, I would say, which is bizarre. I don't expect it to happen a lot. I don't expect that this is going to become some sort of trend. But guys have off nights, and the thing is, is when you're without Pascal Siakam, who's now missed two games with that groin injury and figures to miss at least six more at minimum, you can't really weather 
without Scotty Barnes being somewhere close to his best. That's going to be, I think, the bellwether for the Raptors here between now and the time Siakam returns. Scotty Barnes is the only guy on the team who can even sort of approximate what Pascal Siakam does with his playmaking, his handle, his scoring ability, the fact that he can kind of read and bend the defense to his will. He's obviously not Siakam when it comes to the overall craft of being an offensive engine, but he is the closest thing on the Raptors because of the handle, because of the playmaking and all of that, and because of the fact that most of the time when he decides he's going to get to his spot, he's going to get there and he's probably going to score. That's a Siakam thing. Again, he's not Siakam, but if they are going to try to replicate what they do with Siakam, Barnes has to be the vehicle for that because Fred Van Vliet, as great as he is, and man, he's been awesome. We'll talk about him in a sec, um, but he is just, he's six feet tall. It's just kind of the reality. He's always going to be a little bit limited. OG Ananobi, really good signs from him in a lot of spots here, but not really uh, his best performance last night, and he's just not really a guy who you can count on to go and be the engine of your offense. Scotty Barnes, I'm very bullish on the idea that he's going to get there someday, perhaps even by like the end of this season, considering some of the early returns. But last night, just two of nine, five points, 0 of two from deep, uh, six boards, five assists. We're still doing some stuff here and there, but really, really tough stuff. And the offense in this one was really, really, really bad. Uh, look, last night, 30 teams played in the NBA, the Raptors posted the worst offensive rating of all 30 teams that played last night at a 94.2 against a not exactly sterling Chicago Bulls defense. Not what you want to see. The Raptors fall from 4th to 10th in one night in overall offensive rating. Um, you know, they're still up near the top when it comes to net rating and all that stuff. The defense is pretty good still, but the offense took a big hit last night. And it, it was plainly apparent that without Scotty Barnes really putting the pressure on the Bulls defense to react to him, to bend to his will, the Raptors were just kind of lost in the half court. And their transition game was also terrible in this one. Really, really a hard time uh, putting anything together on the run. And you see the impact of Pascal Siakam in that regard as well. I think Oren Weisfeld wrote about this yesterday um, over at Raptors Republic, or was it Yahoo? Or Oren's writing everywhere. So apologies to Oren for not getting the exact location of this piece correct. But he dug into why Pascal's injury is a little bit concerning and does kind of leave you a little bit unsure uh, as to... Uh, it was complex. Never mind. <laughs> I, I'm probably wrong again. Oren, I love you. I'm sorry. Uh, either way, yeah, the, he pointed out how, you know, the, the Siakam injuries trouble. And, you know, I'm pretty optimistic about how they can weather it for the most part because I think Scotty Barnes would be better than this but the transition game is a real area of contention because Siakam is the best guy running transition for the Raptors he makes the right plays he's got his head on the swivel he's finding the shooters in the corners he's finding the guys with the bounce passes he's keeping it for himself when he needs to he is the engine of the transition game as much as he's the engine of the half court attack and you saw that really really affected last night not a great rebounding game for the Raptors not a lot of chances to rebound as the Bulls were kind of putting everything in and there weren't a lot of chances to run and go um, but yeah ju just really really missing Siakam in both the half court and full court and they're gonna need Scotty Barnes to be a transition dynamo for them uh, he wasn't last night I do think he has it in him I think he can be the sort of next guy running the fast break for the Raptors behind Siakam uh, they're gonna have to have it because the offense isn't gonna have enough juice in the half court alone without Siakam for them to really survive especially on nights where their defense is really rough which we'll get to in the second segment. I do want to shout out Fred Van Vliet, however, because Fred Van Vliet was awesome in this game. 
continues to be awesome, still gives the Raptors a chance, even without Siakam. Like, he, he will give them a puncher's chance because he can go bombs away. Six of ten from three last night. He was just monstrous in that first quarter, had 11 points. The, the heavy hands were everywhere, uh, really sort of orchestrating the defense as much as the offense, frankly. Uh, 27 for him on the night, four assists, not what you want to see, but guys weren't hitting anything when he was thrown to them. So I don't know how much you can do about that. Just, uh, you know, Fred Van Vliet's great, and he will give them chances to win these games. There will be games where he goes off for 30 points, and even with a rough half-court performance, there's enough there coupled with the defense to get the Raptors and sort of give them a shot. And there were moments in this game where it looked like they might flirt with a fake comeback, perhaps a real comeback. Fred was instrumental to those sections of the game as well. Uh, but overall, just a really, really tricky offensive performance. You didn't get really much out of Christian Coloco offensively in this one, just two of eight from the field. Um, not much in the way of vertical spacing that he was offering on Sunday in that game, for example, where he kind of opened things up with his dive gravity. Um, wasn't really there in this one, although I do have some high praise and optimism for Coloco's offense, which we'll get to at the end of the show. Um, but yeah, just just a rough one there. You get a pretty rough shooting game from OG, 0 of 2 from deep. Thankfully, you got Gary Trent Jr. kind of bouncing back after a bit of a rough slide from three-point range. He goes 7 to 12. He's really working that floater game as his sort of counter when teams run him off the line, and that's nice to see. He had four assists in this one as well. A pretty good Gary Trent game, but again, Without Scotty Barnes plunging himself into the defense, getting to the spots he wants to go, it really became a slog for the Raptors offense, and they need those paint touches. They need that sort of first initial burst punch into the defense, and then everything flows out of that. It's why Siakam is so successful. It's because he knows exactly what to do. Once he touches paint, the defense reacts. He has the next plan of attack lined up. Barnes has to be doing that too. Otherwise, this Raptors team is going to be in some trouble offensively. I do think they will probably be better defensively than we saw them against the Bulls last night, even without Siakam. Siakam is obviously instrumental, but as we've talked about, he's less instrumental because OG and Scotty have, for the most part, been fantastic on that end, and it's freed up Siakam to not have to do everything all the time. That said, uh, it was a rough one last night for the Raptors against the Bulls and uh, certainly leaves some questions as to how they're going to handle certain types of teams and opponents going forward. We're going to get into that and how the Raptors double-teaming DeMar DeRozan's scheme unspooled completely in just one second. Before we do that, however, I want to tell you about our friends over at Sweatblock, who honestly are one of the companies that have sponsored the podcast in the past that I have used the most and stand by the most because guess what? I'm a sweaty dude. I am as sweaty as it gets. I'm probably sweating right now. You'll notice that the colors I wear when I do the podcast are dark, and that's for a reason. I have problems. It's bad. I was at a wedding over the weekend. I was the sweatiest person in the world, just uh, you know, just dripping everywhere. I am probably responsible for at least a few YMCA injuries a la Pascal Siakam slipping on a wet floor because I sweat all the time. But Sweatblock is there to help. They are wipes that are... Are your little secret to confidence, the sweat block wipes work for up to seven days per use. Apply them on a Sunday and you will stay dry all week. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try sweat block. Save 20% with promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. Also available on Amazon. And they are really just a wonderful, wonderful gift. You got deodorant, you got all sorts of different products that they offer. You have to go and check them out. Once again, the promo code is locked on. At, it's at sweatblock.com, also on Amazon. You get 20% off with the promo code 
LockedOnSweatBlock.com. Check them out. We love them. I really, really can't endorse them enough. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day, digging into the Raptors' loss to the Bulls. And in addition to the offense being not so hot, the defense was also not so hot for the Raptors in this one. Probably the worst defensive effort we've seen from them so far in the year. I guess you could throw that the, the Sixers' loss in as well, but that really felt just like Tyrese Maxey kind of going on a heater that was going to defy defense anyway. Look, they let him get loose for lots of open shots, so maybe it was defense that was at fault there too. But this one specifically felt, against the Bulls, like the defense really was, as much as the offense where things kind of came untangled for the Raptors. Um, And look, this is what happens when you insert Zach Levine into the lineup. It makes it more difficult for you to do things successfully when it comes to double teaming. And they did that, obviously, to great effect against DeMar DeRozan on Sunday. But the ball swinging to Alex Caruso or Io DeSunmu or Pat Williams is a lot different than the ball swinging to Zach Levine, who was really bloody good last night. 30 points, 3 boards, 5 assists, 2 steals, 11 to 20, 4 of 8 from 3. And I just thought when it swung to him after the double teams on DeMar, the Raptors didn't have a ton for him. I thought Scotty Barnes had probably his worst defensive game perimeter defense-wise so far this season in this one as well. You know, maybe there's some fatigue there. Obviously, Barnes has been limping around as well, kind of dealing with that ankle stuff, and you hope that's going to be something they can address and it doesn't get amplified or made worse by the fact that they kind of need to ride him here with Pascal out. That would be a problem, of course. Um, But, you know, it's still, (laughs) it just... The whole defensive effort was not there, and there were lots of different reasons for it, but for the most part, it just felt like they were a step slow on all of those rotations in recovery after double-teaming DeMar DeRozan. And I didn't feel like the double-teams in this one were quite as pointed and direct. Um, you know, there were a couple moments here where they almost forced turnovers, but for the most part, DeMar was kind of passing out of them pretty simply. It's just like, oh, well, you're two guys, I'll just toss it over here to whoever's on the other wing, and it didn't quite feel as smothering. And look, again, fatigue, all that is baked in. The fatigue thing kind of falls apart because the Bulls did the exact same thing and traveled from Toronto to Chicago overnight. Um, They looked tired too, though. It's just the Raptors looked a little bit more tired and their defense really just was a step behind all the way through. Um, You know, I also... I wonder why they didn't really change up. Like, yes, they held DeMar DeRozan to just nine points on six field goal attempts in this game. They did a great job of limiting him. He had seven assists. You know, you figure he might even have higher than that, considering the amount of times he was passing out of double teams. They were swinging it from there. It was a lot of secondary assists, I'm sure. But it it just kind of felt like, why not change it up (laughs) when it's torching you this badly? When you're not playing Christian Coloco as much as he played the night before, which again, I made the point yesterday, having Coloco as your back line of defense when you are double teaming, that's what can make that work. That's, you know, where the Raptors struggled last season was in their lack of backline rim protection to cover up for the mistakes that are inevitably going to happen when you play an aggressive, super in-your-face, rotate rotation-heavy defense. You got to have that backline rim protector. And they didn't play Coloco as much in this one, just 21 minutes. And the minutes he was off the floor, you could really feel that they were just like gaining easy access to the rim off of those DeMar DeRozan double teams, those four-on-three situations. Having Levine really helped them operate in those four-on-threes way more decisively. And it, it just, for me, if I'm Nick Nurse in that situation, 
I kind of wonder if maybe you dial it back. I know we talk about dialing back the aggression all the time, and I like the aggression in spots. There are certain times, like when you're up against a team with a heliocentric star who's missing their other star player, who you know is surrounded by a lot of guys who you're not super terrified of. Double team DeMar DeRozan away on Sunday, totally fine. Levine comes back. I feel like you maybe got to adjust and change up the game plan a little bit as opposed to just doing the same thing that worked for you. It's a different team. It's not going to work the exact same way. And so I, I think a bit more of a sort of reserved approach maybe in the second half here. Look, you got OG Ananobi. The dude is a monster. The dude can stay in front of anybody. He can pick anybody's pocket. In a situation like that where the double teaming is clearly not working, why not just let OG work one-on-one? It feels like that's such an ace in the hole for the Raptors that they use in certain spots against other guards. They didn't really do it as much in this game against the Bulls, and they were they paid for it. The other thing, too, that I kind of found annoying is that the double teams were often involving like the Raptors' two best perimeter defenders, which to me are Scotty Barnes and OG Ananobi when they're on their best. was not OG's best game, as we talked about, but he has been, or sorry, not Scotty's best game, as we talked about, but he has been, I think, much improved as a perimeter defender so far this season. And you send the, both of those guys to double DeMar kind of meekly, and then you have those two guys having to scramble to make up, and they're not really going to be in the spot to corral those guys on the second side who are getting it and driving or whatever. And so you just, I was just kind of, it just felt kind of hapless, really. It was like, well, that works Sunday, so let's just ride it tonight because making up a new game plan sounds hard on one day's notice. And look, I get that. It's like kind of human nature. I'd probably feel the exact same way. Uh, and I'm not saying that's exactly the mindset that they had. I think they probably thought, hey, why can't this work again? Levine's going to be rusty. Maybe we can kind of get by and force DeMar to get the ball out of his hands and we'll still win that way. But Levine was too good. And they just, they never adapted to that within the game. And maybe by the end, they were kind of grasping at straws anyway. That third quarter was really rough. The offense was a nightmare. They were kind of going with these white flag surrender lineups as early as like the three minute mark of the third quarter with Malachi Flynn and Delano Banton and stuff like that. So maybe this was just a never game, never a game that Nick Nurse felt like they had a shot to win after a certain point so why bother changing up the scheme but it just it did not feel to me like a great game plan it worked wonderfully Sunday but Zach Levine changed the whole dynamic and and I just was not a huge fan and you know I just think you know they have options here to have good wing defenders on the floor like Precious Achua is a very good wing defender. He is so fast. He's one of the few guys in the NBA who can basically hang with anybody on the floor at any position, and he's going to be able to stay in front of them from Trey Young to Joel Embiid, everyone in between. If you want to throw a Chua on Zach Levine, kind of wall off that side of the floor to say, all right, you are stopping Zach Levine when it swings to him. I feel like that could have made some sense. He's obviously, you know, a pretty decent rim protector as well. By Raptors stands, there's not a ton of them on the team, but he has good numbers typically when defending the rim and that's the sort of last chance situations. Wasn't enough precious for me in this one. You know, Boucher only plays 14 minutes. He had a rough game, but still he makes the Raptors defense work so well. He is such a big key cog in that rotation engine that they run. And even Thad Young, even Otto Porter. I mean, Porter played 17 minutes and I'm liking what I'm seeing from Porter in small doses for the most part here, but it just felt like they didn't really prioritize that that sort of wing defense and they were getting carved up, not just by Zach Levine, it should be said. Like Goran Dragic was just roasting them on those sort of weak side swings as well. He was really good. Again, 10 points, you know, five five boards, two assists. Like he, he just, you know, he gives this extra bit of pop to the Bulls and they just did not have the wing defenders to really make it happen. 
obviously they were exhausted and obviously not having Pascal Siakam hurts things, but it just felt like a weird sort of misshapen defensive game plan from the jump and didn't love it. That was certainly uh, a bit of a letdown. So, you know, what do you do? Is it going to be a long-term thing? I doubt it. Like, this is a very good defensive team. They typically play with very high energy and aggressiveness. It was the second night of a back-to-back. It happens. It's just you chalk this one up as a bad loss, but it was a bad loss. Like, I don't think they played very well in this one. I don't think they really put themselves in the best position to win this game either. We're going to come back on the other side, dig into the good, the bad, and the hmm to round out the show. Before we do that, just a reminder... BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting, stats, info, everything you might need this season. Whether you're a football fan, getting into the stretch drive towards the playoffs, whether you are a basketball fan, whether you're MLB, looking at futures for next season already, it's all there for you at BetOnline.net. You get trends, you get all the professional and amateur leagues with everything you need to know, analysis, injury reports, podcasts, it's all there. The World Cup is coming soon. You want to throw some scratch down to the World Cup? You want to know which teams to you know invest in to, to go all the way? Bet Online is going to help you be the informed wagerer for that as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online is where the game starts. All right, we continue on here. Rounding out the show with the good, the bad, and the hmm, our post-game segment where we dig into some things we liked, some things we didn't like, and some things that are at least a little interesting going forward. We're going to dig into the good first. The good is, of course, the Scotty Barnes dunk on Nikola Vucevic. Probably his best as a Raptor. I think it's a close competition. You have the coast-to-coast dunk in the first game against the Magic last season, the sort of Suggs-Barnes Bowl and all that, when that was still a thing that people cared about. Uh, That was a really fantastic coast-to-coast dunk on like three dribbles. You also had the contested coast-to-coast dunk against the Heat, where I think Caleb Martin fouled Scotty Barnes pretty aggressively, and it was still just like a beautiful, fantastic, monstrous dunk. But this one against Vooch, man, like this felt like it was out of a 2000s Lakers game where Shaq would just find any sort of poor soul of a big man to post up and dunk over. You also had the added element of like a pretty clear travel not getting called, which just means that you're legit. It means you're cool and can get get away with not getting called for travels, which is fantastic. We love that Scotty Barnes has ascended to that plateau already. Uh, And just like the force of it, man. It's like the anti-Pascal Siakam dunk. Again, I've talked a lot about Siakam. Everything that he does great. He doesn't dunk hard enough. He's he's working on it this year. A couple hard ones for him so far. But that Scotty one is just like one of the meanest close quarters dunks that I find are always a little bit more sort of devastating than ones that kind of have a big run-up and lead-up. Because like, of course, if you have 30 feet to get a head of steam going, you're going to yam on a guy. But if you are just posting up and it's like late clock and you're just kind of making that one last turn of the corner going up, basically sky-hooking the ball into the net before grabbing on. Like, whew, great stuff. We, we love it. One of the better in-game Raptors dunks I've seen in quite some time. Um, you know, probably not going to go through and rank them all. If you go to Pascal Propaganda on Twitter, our pal, those Siakam fan, or Pascal fan club, uh, there was a, he did a great little 10 dunks ranking of the best in-game dunks for the Raptors. That's a delightful watch. Um, shout out to dunks. We love dunks. Everything's terrible in the world, but dunks aren't, and that's uh, never going out of style. The bad. I think for me, the bad in this game was Nick Nurse's tinkering with the bench. And just it seems like it's kind of an ongoing thing here where Nurse is looking for combos that work. And I just kind of wonder if maybe he's getting a little too cute with this. Like we kind of established, I think most people 
coming into the season that, oh, well, the Raptors have nine guys right now, four core guys off the bench who are probably going to play. Those four guys are Chris Boucher, Precious Achua, Thad Young, and Otto Porter Jr. Those were the guys I had in mind. Obviously, you know, there are some Justin Champagny stands and the Malachi Flynn heads and all of that, the Christian Coloco fans coming into the year as well. But those four guys felt pretty ironclad. They're going to be a nurse's trusted circle. Hasn't quite worked out that way. Porter's been hurt. Obviously, he's come back. He's playing regular minutes. I think they like what Porter does out there. I like what Porter does out there. I would like to see him get continually more run. I also love that Otto Porter Jr. clearly just hurts all the time when he moves. He kind of reminds me of George Springer in that way, and uh, I love it. It's just the most relatable thing in the world to me, a person who has been in traction since I went to a wedding on the weekend and danced too much and my legs continue to hurt three days later. Uh, So yeah, shout out to Otto Porter, but... It's just, it feels like Nurse is trying stuff that's just, like, not happening. And mostly, I mean, Delano Banton, he keeps on getting minutes, and I just, I think I'm kind of over it right now. He's played, he played 10 minutes last night. He was 2 of 7. Some garbage time worked in there. But it just, the lineups don't make sense when he's out there because we don't really know what Delano Banton does. Like, he, he doesn't really have a defined role within whatever lineups he's in he kind of just is like thrown out there and is like all right I guess go be fast that's like the directive for Delano Bannon and there's just not enough there he's not doing anything in the half court to compromise the defense he's not a three-point shooting threat the defense fine he can do the long steel inducing type thing but I just feel like he's not really doing anything on offense. It's kind of like the Stanley Johnson situation where it was just like, what was Stanley Johnson doing when he was on the floor? It's kind of what it feels like with Banton. I do wonder if maybe there's some sort of pathway with Banton to become one of those sort of bizarro point centers uh, that we've seen with like Bruce Brown in the past and Gary Payton II last year with the Warriors. Obviously, he's six foot nine, so he's a bigger souped up version of that. But maybe that that's like a way to try to use him. But I think you got to put him down to the G League, honestly, and have him work on that stuff down there. Because right now, it's just not working. So far, over 80 minutes of play this season, minus 26 in 80 minutes. That's a minus 17.9 net rating for Delano Banton. By far the worst mark on the team, plus minus wise in his minutes. And it's just, it's really, really dire when he's out there. The lineups just don't make sense. There's no connectivity. He's not doing anything to tie them together. I think Banton's going to be a rotation player at some point here, but I think we got to try try to like not make it happen with him in the bench right now because it's just not coming together for me at all. I also think, um, you know, Juancho Hernan Gomez got some time last night. He hit a couple shots, which is nice. He kind of has to do that to be even sort of viable, but he's not a good defender, man. And he looked like he was a chicken with his head cut off, kind of doing the Matt Thomas thing, honestly, at times, where, like, the defense is happening while he's just kind of, like, looking around and looking a little bit aimless. I I just, I don't know if Hernan Gomez is the answer. Truthfully, play Precious more minutes, give him some more time to try to work out whatever early season issues he's got going on. And even last night, like, I get that the inconsistency is trouble. The three-point shooting not being there is a problem. Like, it cramps the spacing for sure. But also, like, last night, Achua had, at minimum, three really strong drives and finishes for buckets. And that's more than you could say of... Probably anyone on the team outside of Fred, honestly, like maybe OG, but he had more successful drives into the paint than Scotty Barnes did in that game in 14 minutes of action. It feels like Achua needs to just like get more run to try to sort through these early season issues. And the point was made by lots of folks last night, like Precious, yeah, he's struggling, but also 
He did this last year to an even worse extreme. He was one of the worst rotation players in basketball to start the season and still got lots of run. And that ended up obviously bearing fruit by season's end. I would hope that Achua can kind of dive back into the rotation here. His defense is so valuable. He's in the rotation, but just like more heavy rotation. Not 14 minutes. Give me 24 minutes of Precious Achua. And that's probably going to be the best version of this team is going to feature that much heavy usage of Precious. And, you know, you combine him with Chris Boucher. We know that duo works. Porter, obviously, I think is going to work in any lineup. And I think Thad works in lineups with good players as well. And I would like to see those four guys be the mainstays here. Once Siakam comes back, Coloco moves back to the bench. I think Coloco will figure in and he kind of gives you some insurance if Boucher or Achu is having an off night or if Thad's having an off night, whatever. I still think he's going to play, especially in certain matchups. He's going to play a lot when you need that big rim protector at the back. But it just, I, I don't really understand. Like even the Malachi Flynn minutes last night didn't make a ton of sense to me. Just roll with the guys who we all agreed were the best bench players on the team at the start of the season. Things haven't changed that much. It's only been two weeks. I would like to see those four guys get some run as sort of the new bench mob. And, uh, you know, obviously you're going to be working those guys in with, with various starters. Please don't work them in with just Gary Trent Jr. Because as much as Gary Trent Jr. is a lot of fun, he's not creating much in these half-court offenses. And, and you know, I, I think my bullishness on Gary Trent Jr.'s sixth man has maybe kind of waned a little bit as I've just kind of seen... He's so dependent on other people to create his great looks, and he's so excellent at being the trigger man, but I don't know if he's ever going to be the guy who can kind of run the show on his own, and we saw some pretty rough stretches last night where he really struggled. Let's go on now to the hmm, and for me, that's, I mentioned off the top, I'm, I'm you know, rough game from Christian Coloco overall. Just two of eight, play 21 minutes. You know, I think Fred Van Vliet talked after the game about this was his first ever back-to-back as a pro. And, you know, it's going to take some time. It's going to, like, that's fatigue that you've never really dealt with before as a basketball player. Um, and so, you know, that, that that's something to keep in mind when you sort of look at Coloco's performance. But I do think there is some promise there with his offense. We talked about the vertical spacing that we saw in that Sunday game where it just kind of makes the defense have to figure out a way to collapse and account for the diving seven foot one dude who's going to go and dunk on them that creates all sorts of other openings and advantages elsewhere on the floor and we didn't really see it come to fruit last night but it did still look like you know Fred's looking for Coloco Fred seems to be thrilled to have Coloco as a pick and roll lob partner and you would only assume that chemistry is going to improve it's improved between games one and eleven like it it really has you know it's been really cool to see that they've sort of started to really mine that and again not a ton of success with it last night but I'm just glad to see that's a thing they're working on and I would hope that they'll keep on doing it because it is a nice little wrinkle as we talked about yesterday Fred Van Vliet being the change of pace for this Raptors offense which is so long isolation-y mismatch hunting that type of thing transition heavy you get Fred working in the half court with Christian Coloco and dudes around them to space that could be a pretty good recipe here and uh, I like that they're continuing to give it a shot with Coloco I hope he plays heavy minutes going forward here. Like he's, you know, he's proved he's worthy of being out there at least. Some matchups you will you'll play him less than others, but 21 minutes as a minimum that we saw last night, I'm totally fine with that. At least till Pascal Siakam comes back because of what he offers there. And you know, there was one play last night too that I don't think happens two weeks ago at the start of the year where Coloco catches it underneath. This is I think the first bucket of the game, and Nikola Vucevic is right there. Not an amazing rim protector, but he had a couple nice blocks last night, and you know. Coloco, I think earlier in the season, probably just kind of goes up kind of weakly on one side of the basket and probably gets blocked. 
But this time, he kind of readjusts, realizes where the defender is, and does a nice little up and under, and nice soft touch on the finish. And, and like, that's the small little incremental things you're looking out for, for a guy who came in branded as a pretty light on offense center option. Uh, it's nice to see those little wrinkles coming in. And so, uh, you know, again, not the greatest offensive performance from Coloco, but I'm glad to see they still continue to lean on him. And I think he will probably end up being a pretty good offensive piece for this team in time, at least just in terms of like the utility of having a big seven foot one who dude who can suck defenders in, um, you know, possessions that end in Christian Coloco corner threes, which we saw one of those last night. I could do without, but the ones where he's screening and diving and using his size and gravity, making himself a target, which he's doing a pretty good job of, you know, the finishing will come next, but he's got the being big and asking for the ball and presenting a target, you know, kind of down pat already. Um, Yeah, I'm excited to see where the offensive progression goes for Coloco. I think it will be pretty important for this team. With that, we're going to round it out. Thank you so much for tuning in to the show. As always, we'll be back again on Wednesday with Katie Heindel. I think we're going to play a round of What's More Likely, one of our favorite little parlor games here on Locked on Raptors, so stay tuned for that tomorrow. We'll have a recap of Raptors Thunder on Thursday, and then working hopefully on a guest for Friday. It might be a little crossover show with our pal Tony East from Locked On Pacers, who we love. He's a wonderful dude, so keep an eye out for that, and uh, we'll leave it there. Go make your second listen of the day. Locked On Leafs, as Mike DiStefano, Dave Morissuti, doing a great job covering the Toronto Maple Leafs. They go through the early portion of their season here each and every day, much like Locked On Raptors is each and every day. Please go subscribe, follow, rate, review, all that good stuff on your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube. And we'll talk to you again on Wednesday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye.